Welcome to the basketball party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. The Wolves narrowly lead the West in a big week coming up. We've got the full crew here today to talk about the Wolves coming up next on the Minnesota Basketball Party. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Timberwolves talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Basketball Party on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, everybody? It's Wolves Talk every Wednesday on the Minnesota Basketball Party here on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. So glad you joined us today, watching us on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel or hearing us on the Lockdown Wolves podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on the SiriusXM app, Amazon Fire, Roku, or catch us in the rotation on that 24-7 YouTube live stream, which is a great way to get your fix for all Minnesota sports. I am Sam Ekstrom. Uh, the executive producer here at Locked On Sports Minnesota. We've got the full five-man crew today, so let's meet the guys with our opening tip. I'm Bud Beacon, host of the Locked On Wolves podcast daily on, uh, of course, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. And uh, today we're going to talk about Coach of the Year odds, and I want to share why I think Chris Finch has every bit the case as Mark Dagno of the OKC Thunder, who he currently trails in terms of Coach of the Year odds. I think Chris Finch has a solid case to be Coach of the Year this year. I'm Jack Borman, Editor-in-Chief of Canis Hoopus, and I'll talk a little bit about why I think uh, the bench needs a bit of a switch up and, and why we saw a little peek into what that might look like uh, on New Year's Day. Reggie Wilson from CARE 11, and I think, especially within the last 10 games, Ant has made his case to be in the MVP race. And I'm Ron Johnson, former Gophers and NFL wide receiver avid basketball fan, avid basketball player. And I'm going to tell you guys that the Timberwolves have now changed the scope of the vision of referees to the point where they don't even see LeBron anymore. We'll talk about that. <laughs> and I'm Sam Ekstrom, as I mentioned. And yeah, I'm going to jump on that too. I think LeBron was absolutely wrong in his statements after the game. We'll go back to Saturday's controversy, Wolves and Lakers, uh, as the show moves on. But let's start with just an overall take on the Wolves right now. Uh, we didn't have a holiday episode, so first time in two weeks we're getting together. And it feels like in those two weeks, while the Wolves, they've only lost three, like three out of ten games, they're still playing very high percentage uh, basketball, but it feels like a little bit of a lull, Ben Beacon. Like, even in the wins, there's enough to nitpick. Chris Finch is calling out the offense and the turnovers. Oh, the turnovers. Second highest turnover rate in the league. Is this a red flag for you? Are you concerned about the trajectory of the Wolves, or is this a blip on the radar? I think uh, I think it's more of a blip than anything else. I mean, obviously, you want the team to be playing as well as possible, and, and we could make the argument that, you know, Overall, the last two weeks have been the toughest stretch of basketball the Wolves have had this year, but it's also been by far the toughest the schedule has been this season. Um, they've played exclusively playoff teams now going back to December 11th. Almost certainly every single team they've played will be in the playoffs. And as you said, they've gone, I think, nine and three or or, or uh, ten and three or something like that over that stretch. Um, maybe not quite that ten and four, something like that. Um and like, that's great. Like if you go, if you have that record against playoff teams, that's really good. Now, some of the concerns are real concerns. Like turnovers are an issue. Um, the Wolves continue to have problems with that. I mean, currently, as we sit here today, depending on where you look, um, 
a basketball reference up, which isn't going to take out garbage time like cleaning the glass, but the Wolves are 29th in turnover rate offensively, which is miserable for a team that has the best record in the Western Conference. And if you break it down and look at individual players, lately you could certainly say Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns are, are more to blame. But for this course of the season, Ant actually so far this season, and, and he gets a lot of attention because some of his turnovers, like he had a couple really bad ones in the Knicks game on Monday. Uh, but he's actually, his turnover rate's down this year, despite his assist rate being up three and a half points and his usage rate being up. So Anthony Edwards isn't the problem. It, those moments are more, are they're magnified because they're in big moments because he's got the ball in his hands more often. So of course he's going to turn it over a little bit more, but his actual turnover rate is down. Um, it's some of the other guys, like the guys you wouldn't expect it from. Kyle Anderson has a horrible turnover rate. I think it's a career worst at this point. Um, it's some of the the ancillary players that are making mistakes that you simply can't make if this team's going to beat playoff teams. And yet they're still winning. As you mentioned, Sam, they're winning despite this overall. I mean, even in these wins, they're having 20 plus turnovers like the Mavericks game last week. Um, the uh, I guess the OKC game was a loss, but each of those were 20 plus turnover nights. The Wolves are still finding ways to win occasionally when they're turning it over that much. If they just cut back on those, um, I mean, we might be talking, you know, instead of 10 and four over the last 14 or whatever it is, we could be talking you know, 12 and two or something like that. So yeah, there are some concerns, but in general, as you said, the team is still playing well. Um, and I don't know that there's any major concerns here moving forward. I think it's just simply tougher competition and the wolves have some stuff that got to button up. Yeah, Jack, I, I wonder if turnovers are kind of like fumbles in football sometimes, like the Vikings fumbled a million times a week for the first eight weeks. And then you, you kind of regress back to the mean, right? Like, is that something that you think will normalize as the season goes on? Yeah, I think a huge part of why they've been struggling with turnovers is because you have guys like Carl Anthony Towns and Nas Reed who are struggling to score as a whole. And I think those are two guys who, you know, when they first get the ball in their hands, when they're first on the floor, they, they want to see the ball go through the hoop, right? And when they're not able to see the ball go through the hoop right away, um, there are two guys who tend to press a little bit. And, um, you know, that's what we've been seeing. You know, both those guys have, a you know, an assist or turnover ratio below one in the last 10 games. Uh, and it's no surprise either that in the last 10 games, both those guys are, have, you know, have scoring averages uh, well below what their season averages. And I, and I think that, um, yeah, I think it's a, a totally fair comparison. And, um, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is that, you know, the Wolves just have to do a good job of valuing the simple things offensively. Like we saw in that Lakers game, um, old friend Jared Vanderbilt did an awesome job pressuring the inbounds passes uh, in that game. Rudy Gobert had had a turnover on an inbounds pass and then had a turnover on a really simple, you know, outlet pass. And there, there are turnovers like that that I think you see two or three times a game that you just don't see from other NBA teams uh, generally on a night to night basis. And I think if they can just clean up some of that stuff, um, you, you'll see that turnover rate really come down. You'll see some of the you know, the pick sixes, uh, if you will, come down where, where that, you know, live ball turnover gets taken the other way for uh, for points the other way. And, um, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe the turnover rate is still somewhat high, but you can break it down into some of the different types of turnovers, whether it's a live ball turnover, a bad pass turnover, which is, you know, two types of turnovers that Chris Finch has been really harping on the last couple of weeks um, come down because that's where, you know, other teams are, are really scoring off of turnovers, whereas the Wolves, you know, are generating a, a good amount of turnovers relative to how much they're turning it over. They're just not able to convert them into points because they're coming in more, you know, dead ball situations or uh, or in situations where it's harder for them to, you know, just take it down the floor and score. So, um, yeah, I think that's the biggest way they're they're beating themselves for sure and making it tougher on their uh, on their top ranked defense. 
Yeah, feels like just observationally, you got Ant who's eighth in the league in turnovers per game. Cat uh, is sixteenth. It feels like both of those players have a tendency to put the ball on the floor in high traffic areas, and bad things are just going to happen when you're trying to get to the rim that way. Um, Reggie, your thoughts on this? Honestly, I just I think these are kind of like the ebbs and flows of an NBA season. You know, I think, you know, there are times where the Wolves look absolutely unstoppable. And then there are other times where, you know, this this current stretch where they're just turning it over at a cl- crazy clip. And, you know, I think they'll they'll work their way out of this because, you know, I think Finch usually does a good job of of targeting things to work on with the team and and coaching them out of different things that that um that they're they're dealing with. And so. I don't know. I, I I'm I'm. I guess I'm not really too concerned about them. I, I remember, you know, going back to some of the height of those Golden State Warriors teams that were winning NBA championships. Dude, they were turned. They at times they are really careless with the basketball. I mean, that's that's continued to be a thing. Um, even now, I was watching a little bit of that game last night against the Magic that they pulled out and just just goofy turnovers at inopportune times. And we've seen it from Steph, from Draymond, from Clay, from Looney, like who, you know, name your guy there. They've been, they've been turning it over at a high cliff for a while, but they've still been a good basketball team. And so I don't necessarily worry about it. And I think one thing that really kind of has me encouraged, if I'm a Wolves fan, they were down 22 to the Knicks. And, you know, maybe maybe last year, maybe years past, you're like, well, there we go. There it is. Man, they they had a chance to to try to win that thing coming down the stretch. You know, that they they had a pretty furious comeback there. And I'm like, wow, like this Wolves team is actually pretty good because even when they seem like they might be out of it, even when it seems like it might be a night where it's like, oh, well, maybe maybe next game they still find a way to make it interesting toward the end. And I, I was like, man, you know, if not for a couple clutch shots, you know, from OG and Randall down the stretch, like the Wolves had a chance to try to tie and win that game. So I, I'm not really too concerned about the Wolves team just because like, it just seems like this Wolves team is different from years past and they could fix some of the mistakes that they're making. Yeah, Wolves definitely ran into a Knicks team that had that new player adrenaline in front of their home crowd. A lot of times that'll lead to to big performances, and that's what New York did. Uh, I think Ron is speaking to some high-level sources right now, so we're going to get back to him, and we're going to move on to Chris Finch and his uh, Coach of the Year possibilities. That's coming up next on the Minnesota Basketball Party. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Yep, it's the new year. The NFL regular season is wrapping up. NBA is getting in full swing. And now's the time to get in the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. And when you've got that $150, you can check out the new parlay hub where you can build your parlay within FanDuel live same game parlays as well uh, I love stringing those together 
I went to Vermont recently for a hockey trip, and I hit sweet bowl game parlay. It was a lot of fun on FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make your first bet a layup. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. Bet the NBA as well at FanDuel. All right, uh, back on the Minnesota basketball party. We're talking Chris Finch, Coach of the Year odds. Right now at FanDuel, our favorite sports book, Chris Finch is second behind Mark Dagno of the Oklahoma City Thunder, who, by the way, are coming on like a freight train. They beat the Celtics last night. They're a game back of the Wolves in the West. It almost looks like OKC might be their biggest challenger. I know Jack Borman's been a skeptic. We'll get his thoughts on OKC as well. But let's start with you, Ron. Uh, Chris Finch, coach of the year. How strong do you think his case is? I think it's, I mean, you you have the best team in the West. And so when you think about past winners, um, it only took just having a solid season. Also, coming from a seventh seed, eighth seed, play-in type of situation, then moving up to a one seed. Now, again, they have to hold on to it. Um, I think he is. And and not only for that reason, but, you know, the whole Rudy Gobert thing, everybody, including myself last year, we wanted to, we were killing it on locked on sports. We were, uh, this is a terrible trade. Like this is not working. I don't know where they did it. And Chris Finch found a way to get those guys to play together. So whether it was, Hey, Anthony Edwards is the guy. So the two of you, I don't care what you think, who's the better big, just play with Anthony Edwards. If it's, Hey, one of you guys is going to be the star every night. Think about LeBron, uh, Bosch and Dwayne Wade. Um, they did the same thing. Every night there was a different guy. Bosch would take over. LeBron would take over. D-Wade would take over. And so you're seeing that from the Timberwolves. Some nights it was just LeBron and D-Wade. Some nights it was just Bosch and LeBron. And I think Chris Finch is finding ways to get those stars to align. And then, of course, the Nas Reed intro. You know, when whenever he comes in, it feels like he's instant energy. And he's doing a good job. So with all those egos, and you still have Mike Conley who can give you 15 to 20 a night if you let him. He's doing a good job getting that together. So I just think the turnaround going from a seven to a one. Uh, yes, OKC as well, you know, but they added Chet Holmgren. I think that was the big difference of them last year and this year. You didn't play. Other than that, Chris Finch has the same team and he's completely turned them around. Yeah. And Ben, you said in your cold open that you think Finch has a stronger case than Dagno. Let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, Ron alluded to it. I mean, I, the Timberwolves are the exact same rotation at this point. I mean, like Shake Milton's out of the rotation, Troy Brown's in and out. So like, you take the top eight, it's the same team. And this team won 42 games last year. They're pacing to win in the upper 50s this year, if not more. And the Thunder, people forget, like, people forget, uh, I, I'm not saying Wolves fans, but in general, it's easy to forget. Thunder were a 40-win team last year. Like, they were a play-in team as well. And uh, and they added Chet Holmgren, as Ron said. It's, it's largely the same team in OKC, too. But, you, I mean, you could argue Chet Holmgren's their second best player. And then the second piece of it is, and he didn't play at all last year. So if you add all of a sudden, you know, a second best player on a roster, of course your team's going to get better whether or not he's a rookie. Like if he's a good rookie, um, that doesn't matter. The second piece of it is they have a top seven player in SGA that also was on the team last year. The Timberwolves don't have a top 10 player. Um, really, no matter how you slice or dice it, I don't think anyone would argue that they do. They might have three guys that are between you know 12 and 25 league-wide. I think you could certainly argue that, and that matters too. Um, but the Thunder team is, is you know, plus Chet Holmgren, and they were already good with the top seven player in SGA. The Timberwolves uh, ma- have made a very similar um, improvement, actually a slightly bigger improvement in terms of win total with the exact same roster. And and it's it's the job that Chris Finch has done to continually mold this team. I know injuries last year, obviously, I, you know, I, I can't play both sides. That injuries were a big reason why they weren't as good last year. But when, you know, they had their full 
complimented players. They still weren't as good, obviously, as they were the, as they have been so far this year either. So I think it's um, you know, and, and going along with being the number one seed of the, in the West, if you finish as the number one seed and you were the the eight last year, um, then you're going to win Coach of the Year. And and I you know obviously Dagno is a solid candidate as well. But if my you know I would have it as as Finch you know in my mind should be the favorite just based on on all that. Yeah, I mean I, I get that argument because it's arguably easier for Dagno to take a bunch of young players that are already improving organically, right? Like they're just getting older and more mature in the league. And that's going to happen naturally versus Finch trying to teach old dogs, new tricks in a way. Like he's got a lot of veterans on that team that he has to, to kind of get to do different things, especially those bigs. Let's get Jack Borman's thoughts. Yeah, I think another part of this, I mean, Ron would obviously be able to speak to this, is I, I personally think that the most difficult part of being an NBA coach is managing all the personalities. And that it is extremely difficult to get all 15 guys in that locker room rowing in the same direction um, and on board, on the same page, all believing in what you're talking about, buying into you know the what the team is trying to do, regardless of how many minutes you're playing, what your role is. And like all these guys have been paid already. So it's not like there are guys that, that need their next big contract or things like that. It's, it's kind of guys who have already been paid or, or know where they're at in the kind of the NBA ladder, uh, which, which certainly makes it easier. But all these guys are willing to sacrifice and they all really believe in what Chris Finch is preaching. And I think that that's really, really important. I mean, you hear Anthony Edwards speaking glowingly of Chris Finch's ability not to dwell on you know, some of the bad losses and just, you know, pick out what needs to be fixed, address it in film or in practice or shoot around um, and, and just move on and turn the page and, and keep these guys loose and having fun and, um, you know, and playing for one another. And I, I, I think that's way harder in the NBA than, than any X's and O's. Um, and I mean, it, it's huge. I mean, look at the way the Timberwolves still have, we're, we're past the first of the year and the Timberwolves have still yet to lose um, two games in a row. I mean, that, that should be a huge, um, you know, a huge checkbox for Chris Finch. And you look at the Thunder, I think the Thunder have lost two games in a row, uh, either two or three times already so far this season. Um, and, and that's not to say like at the end of the, at the end of the season, like you're going to be like, oh, well, the Thunder lost two in a row more times than the Timberwolves. It's not necessarily that. It's just like a, hey, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, cool thing to be able to speak to for, you know, how Finch turns this team around and, and keeps them on the, on the right path. So it's been and certainly fun to see. And I, and I think too, that, you know, another big part of it is like, um, you know, the fact that he's been willing to adapt and change from what didn't work last year. Um, he's, he's not trying to square peg around hole um, with, you know, with any of the rotation, um, you know, with any lineup combinations he's getting out there. He's, he's been pretty willing to, to let guys, um, you know, stay out there if they've been playing pretty well. I mean, you look at Jordan McLaughlin in the last game, that was pretty huge um, in, in that, you know, he let him go for, for, you know, pretty much a, a full quarter from the middle of the third to the middle of the fourth and stuff like that matters. And, um, you know, I think helps, helps keep guys engaged even when they're, they're maybe not in the, in the long-term rotation. So it's been cool to, cool to see his impact on the team so far this year. Reg. Yeah, I know um, we've kind of given Tim Connolly some praise, but, you know, I think more as much as, as the praise should be for him just not panicking and blowing the thing up after last season um, with the roster, I think the same could be said about sticking with Chris Finch. And, you know, Finch is a guy that he's had his growing pains. I remember 
couple years ago against the the Grizzlies in that playoff game at Charles Barkley ripped him for not calling that timeout or two or three during that huge run that that Memphis made to ultimately propel them towards victory and I, we've seen them you know especially in that series their inexperience and their immaturity just kind of seemed to derail them because I think that they were more talented than that Memphis team and they should have beat that Memphis team in that first round playoff series. And, you know, coaching was probably a big, a big reason for that, but just seeing how much Chris Finch has, has grown, you know, turned a a quarter that has been a a terrible quarter for them in the third and kind of flipped the whole narrative with that. It just shows that he's grown as as a coach. And I know, you know, Maybe you don't take all of that into account when the whole coach of the year thing is being, you know, tabulated. But I think there is much to be said about the fact that he has grown. And as Jack said, like he has been kind of figuring out these rotations and what works. He's just pulling all the right strings right now. And it seems like he's really grown as a coach. And so, you know, shout out to to Tim Connolly for, you know, he's he's been pretty adamant since he's gotten here that you know, Finchie's the guy to to kind of lead this team to where they need to go. And so, you know, he's figuring out the the rotations. He's figuring out the the whole Twin Towers experiment that makes Connolly look like a genius now because they are the best team in the West right now. And there's there's just much to be said about his growth as a head coach and sticking with him has proved to to be a, a very um, beneficial thing for the Wolves and their development. Yeah, Finch had some challenging coaching opportunities on Saturday. I think we had to rewind to that Lakers win, 108-106, because so much happened, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, first of all, Anthony Edwards refuses to come out of the game, which drew the head coach's ire. Jaden McDaniels picks up an inexplicable technical foul late in that game that gives the Lakers an opportunity to tie it. LeBron James hits a three. No, it's a two. Oh, wait, it's a three on replay. Oh, wait, it's actually a two. Craziness in that Lakers-Wolves game. I got to get your everyone's thoughts just on the, sort of the, the major takeaways from that one, whether it was the, the belligerence on Edwards' part, the technical, the three-pointer by LeBron, Reggie, We'll go with we'll go to you first because you have maybe a little stake in this one uh, with your Lakers. It was a three, okay. It was a three. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it was. I think his toe hovered by a millimeter over the line. I I, I it thought it was, was a, a three, point. Sam. Oh, I don't. It know was a that. three. But you know, um, it's so interesting though because when you think about Minnesota sports these type of things don't usually favor a Minnesota team. And that's exactly what happened. The The Timberwolves got the benefit of the doubt with that one. And LeBron was said that, you know, his foot was hovering or whatever you want to call it on the line. And, and that was, it was huge because like, that was also the night that the, the Lions thing happened and <laughs> everybody's just talking about refs and it's just, it's just not a good night if you're a ref. Tony Brothers just... was like, thank you, thank you, <laughs> um, Brad Allen and crew. Thank you. I'm not on Sports Center tonight. No one's talking about me. 
Exactly. And, you know, look, LeBron is 39 years old and he's still like tremendously impacting these games like this. It's it's kind of incredible to see. Um, and then you, you you got Anthony Edwards and Troy Brown like playing rock, paper, scissors on if he's going to come in or, or, or if Ant's going to go out like it's the it's the craziest thing. But I think, you know, Ant is kind of like establishing himself like, hey, look, I'm the guy. I want to be the guy. You could count on me. You know, maybe he shouldn't um, draw the ire, as you said, of of his head coach <laughs> being insubordinate, if you will. But I think this is all a part of him just becoming that alpha guy. And, you know, that's that's part of what I was saying in the in the open. Um, last 10 games, the dude is is averaging 30.1 points a game. And I think he is the key to their success moving forward. And I also think that if he can continue this this clip, you know, we have some prolific scorers in the NBA. And I think Ron said this in a in a show before, like if if Ant wants to kind of be taken seriously, he kind of has to propel himself higher than, you know, averaging 25, 26 points a game when you got guys like Embiid and Jokic and, you know, guys like Dame Lillard, Giannis, averaging 30, 35 plus points a game. And I think if he could continue to elevate his play like that, I think that's going to be a, a huge thing, not just for the Timberwolves, but for his own personal growth and development and being a part of that MVP race as the Timberwolves are good and is good. And that kind of helps his case. Ron, I know you got some LeBron thoughts, man. Yeah. So LeBron gets every call. He always gets every call. So there was a point, cause I saw this pop up on uh, Instagram. Um, he traveled. Clearly, he ran over, I think, Nas Reed, and he traveled, or he ran over somebody, and Nas Reed actually commented on Instagram and was like, yeah, see, I guess when you're that big of a star, you know, they just let you do whatever you want. So, fast forward to the end when he his foot behind the line, probably, referees didn't even see it. So, like, there was a shift where the refs started realizing, like, you know what? We can't just keep giving LeBron these championships. We can't just keep helping him out. Uh, we gave him a bubble championship. Uh, we allowed him to join uh, the big three when we wouldn't let Ray Allen or I forgot. I think it was Ray Allen that tried to be with Kobe or maybe get, I can't remember who tried to be with Kobe. Um, or was it Chris Paul? Chris but Paul. Didn't they, yeah, they, Chris, Chris Paul. Paul. NBA so, blocked it. Right. And so the, but they didn't block, block LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. And so I think the NBA now, the Timberwolves success, uh, they, the, the, the big media still hasn't caught on when you check out all the big media shows from all the, the different, you know, letters and, and, and organizations, NBC sports. I mean, even, you know, the, um, the, the, all the NBC Peacock shows, Dan Patrick, nobody's talking about the Timberwolves. Everybody wants to talk about LeBron and LeBron's foot wasn't on the line and he's mad and everybody, Oh, LeBron is going, you know, he wants to play with Bronny. But nobody cares that Anthony Edwards just released his shoes. Nobody cares that he's, you know, a perennial, eventually probably NBA MVP. So the fact that the way they're playing, the refs are starting to change it a little bit. Because in the past, they were just throwing that hand up. LeBron knocks it down. Throw the, they wouldn't even, even if they went to the monitor again, they wouldn't have had enough to overturn it. So they would just say, yeah, it counts. LeBron, you got the three. You tied the game up. So the Timberwolves play has now made the referee's eyes not see LeBron the same they used to see. So. I truly believe that it it was one of the gutsiest on court 
officiating calls I've ever seen because that ref is running behind LeBron. Like there's almost no chance he could have clearly seen his foot. Right. So you think you would default to calling it a three, but nope, two fingers. And I still think that if you zoom it in enough, when his tiptoe gets at its like apex, I still think that, that he's on, he's at least, butted up against the line enough that that it ah, whatever. whatever i think I, I, i'm not backing down on this one ben beacon what do you think no i agree with you 100 it was it was classic like if you clearly his toe starts behind the line but when it tips forward it hits the line the the problem is you can't nobody ever piece together when the ball leaves his hand so as long as the ball is still touching his hand when his toe tips forward as it as it does when you shoot a jumper right like you come up on your tiptoe and it was so close to the line that when he does, it clearly touches the line. It's just a question of whether or not the ball was still in his hands when it does touch the line. And we never saw that angle. So they had to stick with, you know, on the field. It's just like football. They had to go with what they called on the court um, or whatever on the court. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it touched the line. It's just it, it was it's one of those where he could have called it a three and the Wolves could have compl- you know, it would have been the exact same thing. Both teams could see it either way. Uh, but I do think the ref got it right it was a really gutsy call based on where he was on the floor um but yeah i I think he was on the line yeah jack yeah just shout out to to danica mosher on one of the greatest guesses we've seen from an nba ref in in a while um (laughs) she absolutely did not see that like she's just like i have two two like she it was just totally like a panic thing like i had a perfect the basket was directly in between me and LeBron from where he shot that. And so you just knew it was good the second he left his hands. And everyone on media row was like, oh, 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 was it a two? Was it a three? Like, we all just knew it was going in. But we had no idea where his, his feet were, which was pretty funny. And I did give a quick shout out to my guy, Jake Scraps, um, for taking a picture of the basketball before it went in the hoop. Um as a, as a, you know, as a way of mocking the foot thing, because the ball isn't technically in the hoop yet in that foot you know, the foot picture was, you know, before he released the ball, which I thought was was pretty funny. Uh, I personally thought that, you know, it was a two, um, you know, just based on, you know, based on what we saw with the foot rolling a little bit. But um, I, I also just have to give a shout out to LeBron for, you know, pulling a Pat Bev. And I, and I saw a tweet out there that said you could trade the man, but you can't trade the idea of LeBron <laughs> pointing at the monitor like the Pat Bev with the, the photographer's oh, the camera. memes. From last year, so which good. was uh, which was fantastic, and then uh, saying that there was a guy in the in the replay center in Secaucus just eating a ham sandwich, not paying attention, was <laughs> was fantastic. Um, I, you know, clearly LeBron mind went there because of Darvin Ham, head coach of of the Lakers, and that's just a classic LeBron dad. Uh, you know, dad joke that you had there. And and if, and if you haven't, I, I would highly encourage you go back and, and watch LeBron's post game comments from, from that game was highly, highly entertaining. So. Yeah, that was a great night. That was a fun win for the wolves, not for Reggie. Um, after this, we're going to predict the week four games for the wolves between now and our next show. And uh, we'll have a little new year's resolution talk for the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's coming up on the Minnesota basketball party. And our episode today is brought to you by Game Time. I've got the Game Time app fired up right here. Tonight, Wolves, Pelicans, Zion may or may not play. You can get in the building for $25 and be part of one of the most energetic crowds in the NBA right now. You want to be part of this Wolves 
experience. Uh, and $25 is all it would take you to go to game time to get in the building tonight. That's a great price. That's a great price against a good Pelicans team that'll probably be in the playoffs. Um, take advantage of game time because they give you that price up front. All the fees are included, no hidden costs. You see the view from the seat. They've got it right here on the search. Um, and they've got fantastic deals too. They've got last second deals, flash deals, zone deals. Uh, you can get in the building very late, including up to an hour after the event starts. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On L O C K E D O N for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Pelly's tonight at home. Then the Wolves go on the road at the Rockets, who are good at home. At the Mavs. At the Magic. Um, tough week as the gauntlet for the Wolves kind of comes to a close after this uh, this upcoming stretch. So we'll predict the week and we'll start with um, Jack Borman. Yeah, so mine, mine's a little conditional. Um, if Zion plays tonight, uh, I think the, the Pelicans win this game. Uh, I think if, the, if he does not play, I think the, the Wolves will win this game. Um, so we'll keep that in mind since New Orleans did play last night. They did kill the Brooklyn Nets in New Orleans last night. So um, so we'll, we'll wait on that. But I, I think they beat the Rockets. Uh, they just have no interior defense whatsoever. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns has been incredible each of the last you know three or four times he's played the Rockets. Uh, because of that fact that the Timberwolves just can't let it become a shootout. I think they've got to take care of business defensively um in, in that game i also think they'll beat the mavericks um this is just another team that you know I, I just don't think has enough defense especially on the interior to be able to to hang with the wolves um the biggest question there is just like well i want to play defense on on one of Kyrie or luca we saw that at the end of the game in dallas last year right after the trade deadline which was an awesome game um and then i and then i think they lose to the magic uh, the magic just do a couple of things really really well that the wolves struggle with they are number two in points off turnovers and they're fourth and second chance points um so far this season so um, I've got the Timberwolves going uh, two and two if Zion plays and three and one if Zion does not play tonight. Feels like they played the Pelicans a million times already. This must be the final game against New Orleans this year. Very front loaded. Uh, Reggie. Yeah, I think uh, I think they can beat the Pelicans uh, tonight. Uh, I'm going to go with or without Zion, Jack. How about that? Um, yeah, I think they can they can beat the Pelicans uh, the Rockets, yeah, I give them that win as well. I just don't think they have enough. Um, I think they can beat the Mavs as well. You know, I'm going to go three and one. I, I watched the, a lot of that that Warriors Magic game last night, and you know, the the Magic are still a young team trying to figure it out. They probably had no business losing that game to a, a Warriors team that's just not the same team. Uh, Clay wasn't, you know on his heater that he's been on in the, in the past month or so. And so they just have a lot of guys across the board. I, I, I like Boncaro. He, he can shoot it. Um, you know, we, we know what we're going to see from Suggs and Wagner and Cole Anthony, like they got some dudes over there. And so I, I think that might be a tough, a tough matchup for the wolves. And I can, I can see them, you know, kind of falling in that one. So I'll, I'll give them three and one. 
I was today years old when I found out the Magic were coached by someone named Jamal Mosley, who is third in the Coach of the Year odds behind Chris Finch. Pretty good, uh, man. Pretty good. Fun fact for you. Yeah, Ron Johnson. Oh, I was debating on just saying they're going to win it all. But just because, I mean, you look at some of the recent losses, uh, like to the Knicks, just you get tired. Like, let's be real. When you play this much basketball, there are going to be nights where you're just tired. I'm going to say three and one as well. I, and I agree. I think the same as Reggie. They're going to win. I think they can win those first three and beat the Magic, or they're going to lose to the Mavs and then beat the Magic. But I think the other two, the first two, uh, Pelicans, with or without uh, uh, Mr. Cheeseburger himself, um, like, like, how do you lose your contract because you can't stop working or you can't stop eating and you won't work out? Like, I don't, that, that baffles me. Um, but, I think they can beat the Pelicans. I know they can beat the Rockets, uh, the, the the Thompson brother or whatever. He's legit, but they just don't. I don't think they know what they want to do with that team. Uh, and then you look at the uh, Mavs again, Kyrie and Luka. Who are you going to get that night? So I, I but I think they kind of own them. But if somehow, some way they find a way they can beat them, I think they turn around to beat the Magic. But the Magic are a solid team. Uh, Jalen Suggs as well. Again, a chance anytime like guys get to play their hometown team. Uh, they put a little extra pep in their step. Uh, so so I would think that would be that one game. Uh, also, for Cole Anthony, uh, you know, Drake might show up because we know Cole Anthony was dating Drake's mom. So whenever Drake shows up, all hell breaks loose. And so that could be a Timberwolves downfall because it's just a whole, like, plethora of people. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to go three and one. A lot of bullish people here on the Wolves. I'm going to be the level head. I'm going to go two and two. I just think they're going to have – I think the road performances have been a little bit concerning the past few um, I think if they get the Pelicans tonight, though, that would uh, that'd go a long way. Uh, ben, what do you think? Uh, I have actually the exact same, almost identical to what Jack said. Uh, I had I had them at three and one. I, I think that I think they only lose one, and it's either if Zion plays tonight, they'll lose to the Pelicans. If he doesn't play, they'll win. I, I do think they're going to lose to Orlando, though, um, for basically the same reasons Jack said. Orlando's a great rebounding team, both ends of the floor, and they also get to the line a lot, and the Wolves have been fouling a lot more lately. Um, even though overall this year that's been, you know, at least a, trending in the right direction compared to the last couple of seasons, defending without fouling for the Wolves. So um, I, I worry about the Orlando matchup. Also, they tend to, it just feels like they always struggle in Orlando. I don't have that number in front of me, but like historically as a team, it's never really made sense to me. But um, even when Orlando wasn't good and the Wolves were, you know, should have should have won, won games there, they weren't. Plus, it's the front end of a back-to-back second night of that back-to-backs in Boston. So there's always the chance if they get down, they just, you know, kind of pack it in a little bit and save some minutes for the game in Boston the following night. So um, yeah, I'm going to go three and one optimistically, uh, but if Zion plays, it could certainly be two and two. I just checked my notes. They have never won a game in Orlando. Actually, I were, I only remember one and it was a, it was a, I think a Garnett buzzer beater on a putback in like Oh two or something like that. Like, I, I don't know when the last time they won in Orlando was honestly, it was probably last year actually now that I say that, but. Isn't the uh, don't they have a crazy long losing streak in Boston as well coming up after that? I think so. Yeah, it, yeah, it's ugly. Yeah, and Boston has uh, not lost at home at all. Uh, because it's the new year, January 3rd, let's do some belated New Year's resolutions for the Minnesota Timberwolves. You can keep them fun and light if you want, or you can be X's and O's, you can do whatever you want. Let's go to Ben Beacon. Yeah, I'm gonna say, uh, 
uh, you know, this has been a really rough stretch in the schedule, uh, just in terms of how tough it's been. They need to do what they were doing back in October and November and beat bad teams. They've got a lot of what should be easy games upcoming on the schedule after this crazy gauntlet ends. I mean, they've got um, just in the month of January, uh, Portland, who we haven't seen yet. The Wolves have Detroit, who we haven't seen yet. Um, Charlotte, who the Wolves have seen one time, Washington and Brooklyn, who we haven't seen yet, and San Antonio, who I think this might be the last. Uh, they've got two more against San Antonio. So they play all the worst teams in the league this month. And there's some tough ones sprinkled in there, obviously, uh, like Boston on a back to back. Right. But they need if they can continue beating the teams they should beat and go like five and one against those bottom feeders or or obviously ideally six and oh or whatever. Um, this team is going to solidify potentially that number one seed by the all-star break. I mean, I mean, maybe not a hundred percent solidified, but feel really, really good about holding on to it. If they just beat the teams they're supposed to beat, just like they had done, you know, back earlier this season. I have to <clears> imagine <throat> the collective like winning percentage of their remaining opponents. Once they get out of this gauntlet, they got to have one of the easier finishing schedules in the league for the second half. Uh, Jack Borman, New Year's resolution. Uh, play Jordan McLaughlin more um, is what I have. I mean, he, he changed the complexion of the Knicks game completely. They were down 21 when he entered. He got he helped get the, the Wolves back within four, um, you know, a little more than, than 10 minutes later. Um, you know, and over the last 10 games, the second unit has really struggled with with pace. And that's something Jordan McLaughlin really helps, uh, you know, bring up. They're 26th in scoring. Um, as a bench. Um, and one thing that McLaughlin does really well is help generate three-point looks. Um, that's one thing the bench has done really well. They're, they're shooting 40, almost 44% from three over the last 10. So they could, you know, pair him with, with maybe Nas Reed and, and George, or excuse me, and Troy Brown Jr. to kind of, you know, create some more corner three-point opportunities. I think that would be huge. Um, you know, try to get them out in transition a little bit more, help bring up that, those, you know, those free throws per game. Um, you know, Timberwolves bench has only taken 3.1, uh, free throws per game in the last 10. That's 28th in the league. Uh, and then also just kind of help him take some of the, the playmaking burden off of, of Kyle Anderson. I think that they're just kind of asking Slomo to do a little bit too much right now, you know, as the, the point guard of the second unit, um, kind of be able to let him create out of the, the corner, um, or, or run some empty pick and roll on the second side. Um, and also allow Nikhil Alexander Walker to spot up a little bit more so he doesn't have to play point guard and you know, we can kind of play off the catch a little bit more, maybe knock down an open three or two, um, you know, utilize that part of his game a little bit more. I just think that, um, you know, there's something that's just not working with this bench offense right now. And I think that, um, you know, Finch did a great job of, of pressing a different button and going to Jordan McLaughlin in that, that next game. And, um, again, just kind of shows that he's willing to play around with things to try to you know search for a spark for the team. And, um, you know, I think that we've seen uh, trade talks kind of pick up among fans a lot more in the last two weeks, obviously with um, that December 15th date passing of when a lot of players in the league become trade eligible, um, you know, leading up to up to the trade deadline, which is a little bit more than a month away. So um, that whole, you know, how the how the bench offense plays, I think, will um, we'll go a long way in determining potentially what the Timberwolves try to do with the deadline. And um, it'll be fun to see what, what Tim Connolly tries to uh, you know conjure up uh, at the trade deadline to, to help improve this team down the stretch. Reggie Wilson. Mine is simple. Just get out of the first round of the playoffs. One, selfishly, I would just love to, to cover a, a – uh, what you, a Western Conference Finals run, if you will, um, a possible NBA Finals run? That'd be fun, right? Right? We can we can all dream, right? 
but I, I think that would be that would be my New Year's resolution. Get out of the first round and have some fun with it. Yeah, don't screw it up in the first round and lose to the eighth seed. That would suck. Ron. Uh, mine is along that line. <clears throat> but when you get to the playoffs, don't overdo it. Don't try to be who you aren't. Don't try to, because the world's watching now. Don't try to, don't go outside your skin. And if, and I don't know if this is going to happen, but it might. If, if you lose the number one seed, don't panic. Like I, I, Minnesota fans always find ways to like put pressure on the team and the media and don't panic. Like, just be like, we're, we're happy. We're one. Let's be happy. If we're two, let's be happy. Cause if I were to tell people at the beginning of the year, Hey, you'll be the two seed. People would be jumping off their pools and they'd be jumping off their beds. They'd be super excited, but now being one for so long, if they were to enter the playoffs at number two, everybody would qu- see it's rigged. They want us to play, and then the play-in could be it could be the Warriors or the Lakers, and they just want us to play the Lakers or the Warriors, and we're we're diseased, and we're 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 you know this team is up. Just relax. So my New Year's resolution is whatever happens, one or two seed, just relax, and then for the team when you get to the playoffs, don't do too much. Just play your game. Those are some good resolutions, fellas. Uh, on the Roundtable show, we did this segment, and I yelled at Anthony Edwards for taking way too many heat checks, step-back threes. I want him to stop it. That was mine, and I'll stick with it. Just drive to the rim. Just you, it, They never go in, ever. You're 0 for 100. Um, that's our Minnesota basketball party today. Find Ben Beacon at Lockdown Wolves. Find Jack Borman's work at Canis Hoopus. Find Reggie Wilson on Care 11 and Ron Johnson on the Ron Johnson Show and other media entities here in the Twin Cities. I'm Sam Ekstrom. Managing the show here at Lockdown Sports Minnesota, we've got the Minnesota Football Party coming up tomorrow and the Friday Roundtable on Friday. That's all coming up here, and you can catch the Lockdown Wolves postcasts after every single game with Jack Foreman and Luke Inman. Thanks so much for watching and listening today on the Minnesota Basketball Party.